just like that, we are back. Another episode of the Beerly Hoops podcast here at the Beerly Sports Network. I'm Trevor Scott, and again, joined with Jared Zero. Jared, appreciate you coming back on. We're going to talk some NBA news that we've had uncover over the couple last couple days. And then, of course, your home for the NBA Finals. We'll be diving all into Game 1 and Game 2, which we got in a split right now. But, um, but before we get into all that, Jared, thanks for coming back. And, and how's it going? How's your weekend? Yeah, the weekend was great. I, um, you know, I relaxed for the most part. I know my girl, you know, it was, it was a good time. And honestly, like, like you said, it was, the finals have been interesting, um, to say the least. But yeah, we'll get into all that. But it was a relaxing weekend, just chilled, going back to work tomorrow. So, you know, nothing Sorry, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I actually wanted to ask you before we got into that, um, what have you been arguing about with Heat fans lately? You know, I follow you on Twitter, you know, um, Jared Zero underscore NBA. And uh, I see you on there battling with the Heat fans every time there's basketball on. It's very entertaining. Honestly, it's over any little thing, right? Um, So what a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, I might be a Celtics fan, but I just enjoy the NBA as a whole. Like, I'll talk, I'll watch games that aren't Celtics. Like I'll watch Miami games. I'll watch Milwaukee games, Toronto, any team, any basketball I can watch, I'll watch. And um, I try to be as objective as possible, right? Like I try to see everything for what it is. And one of the things I, I said is I, uh, after f- like four years ago, the Celtics waved Max Bruce. And when they, when they beat us in the Eastern conference final shore, I was like a little, a little bitter, but I had called Max Struess corny for posting him in a Celtics jersey saying, oh, Boston waved Max Struess. Like, we eliminated them last year, so obviously he's been holding on to that, and it, I thought it was just corny, and I think that's the, the biggest tweet I've ever had blow up. Like, it made NBA memes. Like, it was a whole thing. It was funny as hell, and all these Miami fans were just complaining and yelling and coming into my DMs, and they weren't even talking basketball. Like, all they wanted to do was insult me. And, like, the people that were like, oh, Celtics lost, ha-ha. Like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make fun of me for being upset, and I get it. But then there's people who are – there was one guy who hopped in my DMs and was like, Boston deserves another bombing. I was like, that's that's a lot. Yeah, I was like, that's that's not it. And a lot of these Heat fans just – I don't know. They don't exist for the regular season. And then once the heat are deep into the playoffs, that's when they all come out of the woodwork and they start talking like they've been following the team when they probably can't name half the players on their bench. And it's that just like no sense too, the way they're just, I mean, the fans do it too. They just coast through the regular season and then they just turn it up for the playoffs. It's like they're hibernating, but it's, it's like nothing else in the NBA really got to give them that. No. And you know, it's just, so they all come after me. They're like, oh, you're one to talk about corny. Like Jason Tatum was texting Kobe and, you know, Al Horford with his taunts. I'm like, okay, sure. So you guys are allowed to think that. And I'm allowed to think your team is corny. Like it goes both ways. So like I argued with them back and forth. And one of the beat writers of the Miami Heat started going back and forth with me as well about it. And that was interesting. Um you know, and again, I was salty, so I was like, yeah, like, the Miami Heat are a dirty team, and, you know, Miami's a dirty city, because 
if you go there, like there's always trash on the roads and stuff like that, at least from my experiences being there. And I'm sure there's some good people down there, but you know, I, I was just salty. I'm arguing back and forth with the entire state of Florida. And this guy is like, well, Peyton Pritchard's a proud boy. He tried to injure Jimmy Butler. I'm like, okay, you don't have to start throwing around like calling Peyton Pritchard like a racist. Like, like what are you talking about? And then he started reaching. Even conspiracy. Yeah, I'm like, bro, like that's not it. And he just, you know, he was kind of ridiculous. He started calling me a racist. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm done with this conversation. So I muted the whole thing and I was done with it. But then even, you know, yesterday I was watching game two and I had posted about, you know, Miami was flopping, the refs were calling it. And again, Miami Heat fans take everything out of context. think it's the world versus them when it's not. And one thing I was trying to explain is like, <clears throat> When refs are calling every foul, ticky-tack fouls, like, you look at a guy the wrong way, oh, the whistle's blown. Like, teams are going to flop, Boston included. Every team does it. Miami? You know, like it or not, it's an advantage. Basketball or not, it's an advantage. Right, and that's the thing. Like, it's not great basketball, but every team does it. Miami took advantage of it down, down the stretch in game two. And they won the game because of it. it happened. And personally, as a fan of basketball, I don't like seeing that in general. I don't care who's the NBA finals. No one wants to see that. And but no, Miami's like, oh, you're just salty because the Celtics lost. Like, yeah, bro, I I'm over that. I was like, I said it on a podcast a couple last week. Um, I'm I'm so honestly glad think- the Celtics have more rest. <laughs> So do you think, you know, down the stretch of this game, the third and fourth quarter when it was, you know, close, and then Miami had that big run in the fourth that won them the game, do you think they, maybe not the whole game, do you think they flopped themselves to a victory in game two? I think it was a little bit of both. Like, I honestly think that officiating crew is horrible. I hate Zach Zarba. I will be on record saying that. John Goble, I don't like him either. Like, that, that officiating crew was just bad for both teams. Like, there was a very clear uh, what should have been a flagrant foul, I think, on Jokic where he smacked Bam in the head and they never called it. The phantom foul on Jokic three-pointer. But then also, on the other end, you have Jimmy Butler stepping out of bounds, passing to Gabe Vincent. You have, you know, the missed goaltend call. So, like, I just think when a game comes down to refs and you can even use that excuse especially in the finals. Like, I think, I think it's a problem. Um, well, definitely, because this is the, this is the, you know, the peak, this is the season right here. It's everything. It should be the two best teams going at it, but you're right. Like you can kind of tell when like the refs have a, when it's too ticky tack when they kind of have a certain hold on the game. And it's just like, you're not going to be able to see anything like anybody take the momentum and run with it. It's just pretty much who can not mess up first or who can, you know, stay out of foul trouble, whatever. But, um, but, yeah, especially in the fourth quarter of game two, it did kind of seem like those refs were, you know, way too ticky-tack, and hopefully we'll get, you know, we'll get some more basketball, less whistles for the rest of the, the finals. But um, Yeah, and, like, going back to, like, fully answer your question, like, yeah, I do think the Heat took advantage of it. Like, I think they were able to, you know, 
use that to their advantage to help them come back and win. And it, it is part of basketball strategy, like I said, whether we like it or not. But, you know, you do have to give them credit for being able to use stuff like that to, the, to their advantage. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know. It's just four of them. We should actually, I've, I've been thinking about this. I should ask you this every time uh, we record a podcast. Just what have you been arguing about with Heat fans lately? <laughs> See how long we could keep it up. I'm sure we could get it, get it going for a while. Honestly, you know, I, like I said, I'm always down to, you know, debate, talk crap, go back and forth with anybody of any team, any fan. Like, I'll even argue with Celtics fans about dumb stuff, too. Like, people want to trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard, and I will die on the hill of absolutely not. Um, But as long as you don't get disrespectful, because at that point, I'm just going to check out of the conversation. And, like, that's my problem is so far with all the Heat fans that, or not, I can't say all of them, because there have been a few that are pretty open to debating and whatnot, but... For the most part, a lot of them are just trying to insult you and not use any sort of basketball knowledge. They just want to be like, ha ha, heat better. We have no no dog in this argument because we, we don't watch basketball for a whole season. So those are the type of people I'm not trying to interact with. But I mean, I'll, I'll put the shout out there now. If any Heat fan wants to debate with me about anything basketball related, your team, my team, any team in the league, I'm down. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, you know, as long as it stays respectful and, you know, things will get heated, I'm sure. But, like I said, as long as you're not saying stuff like, oh, like, Boston needs another terrorist attack, I'm sure I'm sure we can have a pretty pretty decent conversation. Right, right. Yeah, there's some, some good apples out there, too, even though, you know, everybody's got their, they think one way or the other about the Miami, uh, fan base but i'm glad you brought up last episode because i know something else we talked about last episode you talking about uh joe missoula getting his own bench and since then sam sam cassell uh hired on to the celtics bench bench just kind of like you were talking about last episode sounds like a great hire you got to be pretty happy about that dude i was so stoked i was so um yeah dude I, i was i was so excited i started freaking out I was like, I am so happy that we finally brought something, someone in that can actually push these guys. So <clears throat> I think with Sam, right, he's going to be able to bring that type of energy where he'll start digging into guys, getting in their face, not necessarily getting in their faces, but like he'll, he'll be up their ass like, we got to, you know, we got to pick it up. We got to, like, what the hell was that? What was this? Like, he's going to call these guys out and hold them accountable and, you know, he's not going to shy away from that stuff where I think Joe Mazzulla did that a little bit. So I love the hire. I think it's great. He has a familiarity. He's a three-time NBA champion. He won with the 2008 Celtics. Like, I think, I think oh, it's a great thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the, co- at the cost, like, we didn't get Steven Silas. But I think, honestly, like, Sam was the better choice because I think it was – uh, Steven also wanted to be the top assistant and he couldn't be that in Boston anymore. Um, so like, it is what it is, but man, I, I could not be happier. I think that is a great start for, for Boston and Joe Missoula's bench. I think that's a really great hire. I know. Well, what has it been a week since the season ended less than a week for the Celtics? So, I mean, it's a great way to officially kick off the off season, I guess. A bad way to kick off next season, maybe, 
um, hearing away from the Celtics going out west. But um, believe that John Morant may be facing around 40 games, a 40-game suspension coming up for, um, you know, the one that Adam Silver kind of addressed, but he didn't give the details or announcement of. But uh, that would shake it up a little bit. 40 games for John Morant. You think that's a little too much? Not enough? Or, you know, we just we don't know yet. I don't know, right? So, like, Adam Silver said that they have more information that they're not releasing yet. So I want to wait to see what that is. But I don't know if you were, um, if you've watched ESPN the last, but JJ Reddick went on and was talking about how John Morant hasn't necessarily done anything wrong. Like, yeah, he flashed the gun on Instagram live, but you know, all the other stuff, there was never really any evidence against him. And just because he flashed a gun, like how many times do we see people in, you know, families posing with AR-15, sending out Christmas cards with their whole family holding guns, or, you know, we see, like, like, guns are such an issue, and I'm not on to, obviously, debate politics, and, you know, but it's, it, it's some level, like, they do become a problem, and <clears throat> for a country that's very pro-gun with where we are at, um, but for John Morant to get in trouble just for that, I think, is a little much. But, you know, he does he is under contract. He does have an image to uphold. He is representing the NBA. For his talent and how old he is, he is becoming a face of the NBA. I'm sure if you ask anybody, they know who John Morant is. So I can see it. I can I can see why it would be a, a significant uh, suspension just for that because of contract and everything else, but uh, I don't think it should be looked past. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And it, it really begs the question of, you know, what is this additional information? What is all this stuff that we haven't heard yet? And I guess we'll hear, you know, sometimes when the series concludes. But, um, but, yeah, very interesting situation, something we don't see every year. And, you know, I'm glad you said that, you know, with his talent and his age, you know, he surely – He's not in the top tier, maybe not the second tier, but he's he's right up there for, you know, one of the faces of the NBA. And to any NBA fan, everybody knows who John Morant is. But um, something else I wanted to touch on while we're out west, uh, Kyrie Irving recruiting LeBron to Dallas. Think there's any smoke there? You think uh, we got better odds of Kyrie in L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> um, I saw yeah. that, and at first I thought it was a Shams parody account. Like, I had to do a double take. I'm like, is this real? Mm-hmm. So after I realized, like, hey, this is a real thing, my first thought is, can Dallas even make this trade? That's what I was thinking. Their contracts, I didn't look into the numbers at all, but, like, I'm trying to think who who they even pay outside of their, uh, you know, Kyrie mm-hmm. and Luca. I heard uh, David Spurtons has, like, a heavy contract. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the the details of the contract, but all I know is like Dallas has no depth. They have no bench. Like they gave that all up for Kyrie and uh, like they gave that all up for Kyrie. And I just, I don't know, man, like it's just a weird situation entirely. Cause like the other thing too is in a sense, it's also tampering, right? Like it's not, but it is. Well, I mean, I mean, the official quote, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he said something like, 
uh, he would want to play with them or he'd love to play with them in Dallas or something, which I guess, you know, everybody gets up and runs with it. But hey, maybe maybe Mark Cuban brought Kyrie over for the sole purpose of, you know, see how far this backcourt can take us. And then, you know, if the season fails, you know, maybe we can recruit Braun. But, um, but yeah, that's really interesting, you know, especially what we talked about last week, like building up your team and like building up a chemistry versus like just having these two big stars or three big stars and like the super team that hasn't really worked in a long time. But yeah, I don't think it was anything super pampering ish, but uh, you know, I feel like with um, what's his agent's name? Rich, Rich, Rich Paul. Yeah. I feel like there's no tampering with that guy. I feel like he keeps all the bases. Well, at least he makes it appear like there's no tampering, you know, keeps all the bases covered, but pretty interesting stuff there. You know, bronze future in question. I, did not buy into the hype at all when everybody was saying, oh, he's retiring, he's going to retire, it was his last year this year. No way. That man, he'll be back this next season. No, I don't think he's retiring either. Like, I think for me, LeBron, um, even if he took like a year off, and then next year when Bronny's eligible to be in the league, like, come back for whatever team. But I, I don't see Bron retiring. I don't even see him taking time off. But, man, I don't know. Like, Kyrie's obviously a free agent, and I think a lot of it is like, hey, I want to come back to Dallas, so bring LeBron here or I'm gone. I think that's more of what this was about. We'll see. It, it, it's just still hard for me to wrap my head around that that was even a report. That- <laughs> yeah, you thought you got a big sham or something? Let's uh let's talk about this uh the shockwave that kind of hit after game one. You know, it had everybody's nuggets in four, nuggets in five. Although the game was close, um, I think it was a nine or maybe eleven uh point differential in game one. But um everybody was saying, you know, nuggets in four, nuggets in five, just they looked good after game one, you know, ninety-three to one oh four. Uh Jokic did his thing, twenty-seven, fourteen and ten, and it was really looking like uh this series is going to be packed up real quick after game one. Is that what you felt after game one? Um, sort of. I mean, Denver looked really good. In- and, th- and they still had, like, a, a fair amount of mistakes. But there was still a lot that Miami did wrong in game So I, I still wanted to say Denver in six after game one. Then, you know, like, I understand why people were saying Denver in five, Denver in five. I, I get it. Denver is just, they are such a complete team, and it is so hard to take stuff away from them. When you have that much talent at every single position, and you are able to play both sides of the ball damn near elite, it's tough. And even when they're not playing perfect, they're still a force. So for Miami, in game one, they just they couldn't hit shots. I mean, Max Struess was 0 for 10. Caleb Martin was 1 for 7. Gabe Vincent, was, Gabe Vincent and Bam were the only two that were scoring. It was just, it was insane. Um, I got a lot of, what, what's funny is after game one, I got a lot of uh, the Lakers and Nuggets series vibes. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, the Heat have to feel really, really good. 
about going into next game. They only shot two free throws, and they missed a bunch of shots they usually make. And while the Heat did win game two, I still kind of feel the way I felt. Like, I still feel it's similar to the whole Lakers series with, with Denver. Um, because, like, Denver also adjusts, right? Like, they they also adjust. They shot. Honestly, they didn't shoot all that great in game one either. Jamal Murray was, like, two for seven or something. And Michael Porter Jr. was, like, two for 11 or something. Like, it was something ridiculous. But you oh, wouldn't yeah. have ever known that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, I still think Denver wins the series pretty comfortably. I think it's Denver in six still, but I do understand why people are trying to say Denver in five. I never thought there was going to be a sweep anyway. I thought, a, especially in the NBA Finals, like, both teams that are here are so good. Obviously, they're the best two teams in the league. And, you know, people can debate on that, like, Obviously, on paper, there are other teams that are better than maybe Miami or maybe Denver or whatever, but right now, the way both teams are playing, they're the best two teams in the league, and there was never going to be a sweep. So that, that's the one thing that I think people are just overconfident at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I did also want to touch on uh, Jokic, 68 points combined in games one and two, which is tied with KD for the third most ever in the first two games of the NBA Finals. So, you know, he's just so quietly dominating. I mean, maybe it's because he's not, you know, as animated as some of these other stars, but, you know, seriously dominating, doing his thing. And, um, yeah, like you said, I remember I was watching in game two, so I guess this was last night. And um, the Heat were down 10. I mean, I had already written them off. It was late in the third quarter. They just didn't look like they were going to win the game. So in my head, it was 2-0. But I was really thinking, I was like, man, the Heat, they could win a game. They could win two games at home in Miami. Like, they're playing well. They're just, you know, they're just not able to keep up. The Nuggets are playing a little better. Jokic is unstoppable, whatever. And then, you know, they flip the switch just like that in, uh, in the fourth quarter. I think it was like a 36 to 25 run maybe in the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, it kind of made me wonder, uh, game one, you know, you hear all this stuff about the altitude. You know, they were just played a game, a seven-game series in Boston. Um, you know, and I see some, some Heat fans. I see some excuses. They just said, you know, game one, they were tired. They weren't acclimated. They were just sluggish. And game two is really the Miami Heat that we're going to see for the rest of the series. Would you buy into that at all? as unbiased as you can be. Can you put the eight aside for just a second? Yeah, so, like, um, I think part of it, right, like, obviously the seven-game series of Boston flying out to Denver, having two days off for rest, and then getting right back to it. Um, I do think the altitude in game one was an issue. I think also just fatigue in general. I think having the two days off in between and being able to sort of adjust uh, in that aspect, but <clears throat> at the same time, I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, they were able to adjust going into game two. They were able to get used to the altitude, everything else. Uh, I think they were also just able to, I don't know, like it's hard, it's hard, right? So I think game two, we really did see the true Miami Heat, like that. everybody's just saying like they're not going to be able to sustain the shooting and just every single game Caleb Martin has not looked like the Caleb Martin from the Eastern Conference Finals 
but Gabe well, Vincent does. Duncan Robinson's yeah, been yeah. lights out. It, it's just, he's if, if someone was telling me that like teams were going to be getting cut, beat on you know Duncan Robinson backdoor cuts, I would call them crazy because I would have never imagined that, especially not with Duncan like Robinson. And that's what I'm saying is like I don't expect that when Duncan Robinson is literally warming the bench for the almost the entire season on his insane contract. And then he comes out of the blue and he's, you know, he's playing great. And Gabe Vincent has been playing great. And Max Struess shot a lot better in game two than he did in game one. Um, I don't know what his final uh, stat line was. I will have to look at that. But like, just, you know, I think the rest, I think the time to acclimate to, to the atmosphere and the altitude certainly helped. But now they're going back to Miami. So like they just adjusted, right? So if they split in Miami, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I don't think Jamal Murray is going to shoot as poor as he did yet. I think he had, like, 14 points, right? Mm-hmm. Or it might have been 16. It, it was something. He shot he poorly. He did with 18, yeah. Yeah, and, like, most of those came late, late in the fourth where they started coming back. and. Jamal Murray, the final shot he took was a good look. He's oh, hit that shot. He's hit that shot so many times throughout the year that it didn't go in. Like, it happens. Miami played about as perfect of a game as they could defensively. The Nuggets played about as bad as they could. Or that's about as bad as I've seen them play all year. And the fact that it was still a competitive game. Like, they were searching for hype in, uh, what, Christian Brown? Dude, that kid has been phenomenal. I know. When he went up and dunked the ball, I was like, yo, like, I was very impressed. He's, uh, he's from Kansas, right? He won the, yeah. he won the championship team? Yep, he was on the championship team. And for me, it was that inbounds pass that he stole. That was just, I was like, this kid is special. He is playing as a rookie who is who has earned himself actual viable rotation minutes in the NBA Finals, I think that kid's going to be something special in this league. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Yeah, nobody, I mean, it's just, you know, the it's like something you come to expect, like these Denver role players. Like the team is just such like a well-oiled machine. Like, and then you finally get to see somebody come in and, you know, pick up slack for the rest of the guys. And it's Christian Brown. And yeah, it's like it's you just come to expect it at this point. Denver is, you know, they're really a well-oiled machine. They just need their their role players and their guys off the bench to, you know, they can't all play terrible the same night like they did in Game Two. But uh, my yeah. KPJ atrocious. Uh, KCP was, you know, not doing it. And Bruce Brown, I think he was okay. I think he had eleven points, eight points, something like that. But still, not enough for, you know, when the whole rest of the role players are playing terrible. But, and honestly, like, even with the role players playing poorly, a lot of it came down to, you could hear it in Michael Malone, he was talking about it all night, was effort. There were plenty of plays where Denver had careless turnovers. And what's funny is a lot of people on Twitter were comparing them to, like, the fourth quarter Celtics, where they just kind of collapsed. And, you know, I... Denver has played near perfect all playoffs. That was only their fourth playoff loss. Was it their first loss at home? 
Yeah, it was their first loss at home. Like, for a team to only have four losses in the playoffs, that's something in and of itself. So, like, it was expected that they'd have a bad game. You know, it's unfortunate, again, it happens in the finals, right? Like, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, it's unfortunate the Celtics had a bad game. It's unfortunate Tatum got injured. It's basketball. It happened. But, you know, it's unfortunate timing. I do think Denver adjusts because the one thing people have been talking about is when Jokic scores over 40, he's 0-3 this time. I think it's this playoffs. He's 0-3. It might be this year. I don't know. Um, But honestly, like, Jokic is just, when people turn him into just a scorer, that is when, you know, they're able to shut off everybody else and they're able to kind of do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But, again, I don't see Jamal Murray shooting that bad again. I don't see... Like, to let him get his, because... You know, everything went right for them, you know, putting Jokic as a scorer and everyone else had a bad night. It went perfectly. That's not going to happen every time. And you only won by three points. So. Right. And like, I don't, Go ahead. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to discredit Miami because they made Denver play poorly. I just don't think Denver is going to play that poorly again. Do I think Miami can replicate that performance? A hundred percent. I think they're gonna. I think they can continue to shoot that well. They've been doing it all playoffs. I don't think Denver plays that bad. I don't think Jamal Murray doesn't score more than, you know, 20 points a game. Like, I, I think I think it's still Denver in six. I expect a split in Miami. Honestly, when I, was, when I said Denver in six last time we were on the show, I never really said, like, which way I thought it was going to go. I kind of expected 2-0 Denver at home to begin. I expected a split in Miami. I expected maybe Denver to lose at home for game five and then have them win it in six in Miami. But I expect a split. I expect Denver to come home, win game five, obviously. And I do expect them to win game six. The longer this series goes on, right, like Denver has the rest. They're used to the travel. They're used to the altitude. Miami is still banged up. They're still tired. Like we could see that. We could see that yesterday too, right? I think it's just, I think Denver got a little excited. They took their foot off the gas. I think Miami, you know, threw some stuff at them. They weren't expecting. I think there's going to be adjustments. And I don't know, man. I, I do think Miami is still capable of playing at the level they are. I just, I don't see how Denver plays that bad again. And still, like you said, they only lost by three. And mm-hmm. playing that bad was still a chance to win. I don't know. If I'm Miami, I'm nervous. But I still got to give them credit. They pulled out the win. Do you know if the um the altitude, like you were just talking about, like, so they go there, obviously they've been in the whole East, everything's been the same, whatever. So they go there for game one. It's obviously pretty terrible. Say they're acquainted for it for game two. They're okay. Then they leave to go to Miami and they come back for uh, game six. Is that like, is it the same feeling that you get in game one? Or are you a little more used to it, like coming back to it maybe like a week later? Do you know? Um, 
I don't know, right? Especially because of the altitude difference between Denver and Miami. Denver is 5,200 feet above sea level. Miami is six feet above. So I think it's easier because Denver plays in Denver so much. They're used to it. Whereas Miami does not. (laughs) So you just spent a week in Denver. You adjusted to that altitude. Now you're going back. That itself is a big adjustment. And then you're going to spend a week in Miami. Then you're going to go back. I don't know. Like that that going back to Denver is what I really am wondering about. Like you did 100% everybody knows they came out sluggish. They came out flat uh, game one and they just weren't able to sustain any type of energy, any type of momentum. I'm just wondering if we might see the same kind of thing of that in game six. Should it go game six, which it should. I think we both think it will. But yeah, that's gonna that's something I'm really going to be looking out for in game six. But um another question I was gonna ask you, which you answered. So you said they, you think they're gonna split Miami. Um I think the same. I think there'll be a split in Miami. So we'll have it two two. Is there any would you give any possibility chance at all? of Miami winning both of these games at home? I mean, yeah, right? Like, I think Miami can win both at home, and I think Denver can win both Mm -hmm. away. Like, we've seen Denver do it. We've also seen Miami win both at home. But I don't know. Like, I think the split is just the safest. I don't know. And again, like, Everybody's been talking about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's PEDs or black magic or just insane luck or actual just perfect cardio training, whatever it might be. Everybody keeps saying, like, I don't know what Miami has left in the tank. I can't imagine it's much. They're like when your car says it's on E and it's like coughing to get from A to B. But it's still moving. It's still chugging along. Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. So, like, yeah, I don't know what they have left in the tank. And I will continue to say that because it's true. I really don't. But they also keep shocking everybody. So is it possible for them to win both at home? Absolutely. They're going to be at home. They're going to be in front of their fans. They are going to be where they're comfortable in their atmosphere. Denver is still going from 5,200 feet in the air to six feet. So it's like, we don't know. We, we absolutely have no idea. But on the flip side is like, we've seen Denver just march into other people's stadium, crypto arena, which is a far more hostile environment, and take both from the lake. We've seen them march into the footprint center in Arizona and just, you know, Crush, crush the sun. Like we've seen it all playoff long. So this is the one time I'm gonna say like I don't, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I think the split is just the most reasonable idea because of how good both of these teams are. But if either one of these teams took both games in Miami, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. Me neither. I um. So game three is what Wednesday. I believe I so. Yeah, I think travel yeah, day I and two. Uh, I actually like Miami. I like Miami. 
Fans are gonna be locked in. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's probably. I think for a lot of what is going to happen in Game Three is I think the I think the game plan for Denver is just Jokic needs to be like he had. I think it was four assists in Game Two. That is way too low for him. Like, I think the game plan is going to be just adjusting to, like, get him more, get, get like, the other guys more open looks. So, right, I think yeah, that's, like, really just what it's going to boil down to. So the counterattack. I guess the counter counterattack for Denver. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I think, I think it, they will do that. I think they'll have him up high as well, a lot more. Looking for shots up there. Did he take a lot of threes in game two? I know he scored 41, but. Take a look. Let's see. Tell you, two for five. Yeah. He's been insanely efficient. Eight for 12 in game one and 16 for 20 in game two. Jeez. Jokic has been. Tell you, I'm happy about, I'm happy about what I've seen from Bam, too. So did Mike Malone call him out or somebody called him out and said, like, we're fine if he's taking 25 shots or that's what we want or something? So the thing is, right, is, like, if Bam is scoring 25 points on 26 shots, like, you live with them. It's everybody else mm-hmm. you got to shut off. And it's the same thing that Miami did in game two, right? It's like, yeah, let Jokic get his. We're going to shut everybody else off. Like, they're going to live with that. Jokic is going to get his points anyway. Bam is going to get his points anyway. Like, you're going to live with that. You're going to try to turn off everybody else. And if you do it, you win the game. And that's what we've seen from games one and game two. Um, and that's where, like, game three, I think, is really where this series starts. Because now it's the first to three wins, right? So I think that's where this series really starts is in game three. Both teams got a game, figured it out. They're figuring each other out. Now they say, okay, what can we do to keep up these performances consistent? And that's where these adjustments are. If Miami is throwing zone at Denver, you know, you get to those mid-range shots. You have Jokic post up whoever. He's bigger than everybody else. And if he's hitting those shots, if he's hitting those mid-ranges, and he's getting to the basket against the zone defense, he's going to be able to collapse the defense and kick it out to whoever and be able to generate those looks for everybody. And a lot of what was going wrong for them in game two was nobody on Denver could hit shots. I think they were like 0 for 7 on their first seven shots to start the game. Yeah, it's been like the Heat. They, they played just like the Heat were playing. It was kind of weird to watch. But yeah, they like you said earlier, they played pretty much the worst they could have played with Jokic getting his. And, you know, it was still three points. It was right there. I'm uh, curious, before we hop off, I think you've, you've hinted at it. Are you you're very solid on uh, Nuggets in six still? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still pretty much sold on Nuggets in six. And if, I, if the Heat win, right, they earned it. They earned it. They had an insane path. They got it. They got here. To go from the first seed to the eighth seed to you know, getting bounced last year in the ECF to now being three wins away from a title. Good for them. Like, honestly, good for them. 
And will I be annoyed by it? Yeah, a little bit. I'm going to have to deal with Miami Heat fans who, again, if you, get, <laughs> you guys are mostly the worst. Some of you are okay. Um, mm-hmm. But no, like the team itself, like Eric Spolscher, I love him. Him winning a ring would be cool. Jimmy Butler, I've said it before, is probably one of my top three favorite non-Celtics in the entire NBA. But man, oh man, I think Jokic and Murray deserve it. I still think Denver is the better team. I still think they are the more complete team. I think they're the more consistent team. So we're going to see where everything goes, but I don't know. Like I'm yep. still sold. I'm still sold on Denver in six. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up Eric Spolster too. I did want to ask you something about him. Not to be too speculative, but like, you know, we're talking about this ring and how hard this ring would be and just the path they had to take and everything. Where do you currently have Spo as a coach, like all time, probably? And um, where would he be, like, leap up that ladder if he wins a ring this year? All time kind of is really to tough. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, all time is tough because you got to think of, like, some of who, who were coaches in the league. You just you got to think of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can see Spo easy being top ten all time if he wins a ring this year. Absolutely, I don't hate that. But it, is it far fetched to say he could be higher or lower? No. Mm-hmm. But for now, like, I think he's the best coach in the league. I one hundred percent think he's the best coach in the league, and I think he's earned that because, like, obviously, he like he's. Because he doesn't just, like, have no competition, right? Like, Greg Popovich is still in the league. Right. I think I think career-wise, Greg Popovich is a better coach. But mm-hmm. right now, at this point where the teams are at, I think Spo is the best coach in the league. So, I don't know. Well, it's something to re- definitely revisit if they win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will be a lot of talk. We're going to be, man, they're going to grill you on Twitter if the Heat find a way to win this series. And I have They're to live with try. that, right? Like, yeah, I have to live with it, whatever. Like, I said what I said. I stand by it. I still think the Miami Heat are corny. They, the way they celebrate. And what's annoying is, like, if they lose, beating the Celtics to them was their championship. Like, I think they cared more about beating the Celtics than they did winning the championship. And I think that's where, like, a lot of the corniness comes in. Like, yeah, you win, sure. You know, talk your talk, you know, do whatever. But, like, at a point, it becomes Like, if it was the Celtics, like, I'd be saying the same thing. Like, yeah, like, talk your talk. But after a while, like, let it go. Who cares? Yeah, you're in the finals, man. Let's start talking about that. But I guess you really can't hate Denver the way you could hate, like, one of your Eastern Conference, you know, rivals. Can you really hate Denver? Who hates Denver? For what? Can you, like, is there a... Do the Nuggets have any enemies that you know of? I don't think so. Um, Maybe Phoenix. Maybe Miami Uh, because of, you know, last year. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how anybody could hate this. 
like when you look at the story of every single player on this, right? Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green. Like when you look at this roster from top to bottom, and then you look at Michael Malone, like it is just a group of insanely likable people, insanely talented players who everybody counted out early on in their careers. Everybody was like, eh, these guys aren't that great. And then you put them together in Denver, and they're three wins away from a championship. And this is the first time Denver's ever been to the finals. It's so right. hard to dislike them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so especially teams like building it, doing it the right way too, like building it all in-house. Like the Warriors, you could hate the Warriors as much as you wanted, but before they got KD, like that was that was a squad. They did it the right way. They they had all right, and even after office bought yeah. in, yeah. Dude, and, like, you're not wrong. Like, even after KD left, like, they still went and won championships. Like, the Warriors, whether you love them or hate them, they've done it the right way. Mm -hmm. And, like, again, love or hate the Celtics, they're doing it the right way. Five Eastern Conference appearances in seven years with two guys that are under 27 years old and a finals appearance, like, they're doing it the right way. Denver is doing it the right way. It's just, like, seeing teams draft their talent, you know, and kudos to Miami because they're also doing it the right way. Like, yeah, it's annoying that on the broadcast they talk about how everybody is undrafted for, you know, basically the whole time. But yeah. they're doing it the right way. Like, they bring in these guys, they develop them. The only person they traded for was Jimmy Butler. And, like, yeah, it's okay to trade for a leader. Like, it's okay to have that guy. But mm -hmm. bam, so they you know. too. right. And like, like the top teams that you see in the league every year are usually those home built teams that have drafted and developed their own guys. And that's why, like, it kind of is annoying when people like you got to break up the Jays or you got to trade Jalen Brown or you got to trade Marcus Smart. Like, no, those guys aren't going anywhere. I'm sorry to tell you. Mm -hmm. I just I know you I really know. want to keep JB around. I do. I do. Because I don't see a trade that makes Boston a better team by getting rid of him. Mm -hmm. I just don't see one. I'm sure I could figure one out, but I also doubt that trade would ever happen. So it's like, it's not even worth it. Like, Jalen Brown is worth the contract. You give him the money. He's going to be 27 years old. Jason Tatum is going to be 26 years old. Like, my and my honest opinion is you take Jalen Brown, you give him the Superman. In two years, when Tatum is eligible for his Superman, that is when you evaluate Jalen Brown's value and see where the team is at. If the Celtics win a ring in two years with JB on the Supermax contract, you keep this team together. If they don't, and in two years you're ready to offer JT the Supermax, then you say, okay, now maybe we explore trading Jalen. He's going to be 29 on a Supermax in the middle of his prime. And you can get a lot of assets. You can get a lot for him at that point, but you don't do it now. Yeah. Yeah, and it just makes more money financially like to do it now. I mean, lock him in, and then two years, evaluate his value, like he said, and then by that time, it's time to pay Tatum. So it's, you know, everything lines up perfectly. And I don't know. 
it's like I said, I just I don't see the point of breaking up teams that you've built on your own, right? Like I just I don't see that being a good thing for anybody. So and you know, I think with the teams we see in the finals year after year and in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals, like I think they kind of just prove that is like you don't split up homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really I mean, that's how you win it. That's how the Bulls did it back in the day. That's how the Warriors did it, minus KD. And now we might can we be seeing the start of a dynasty? I mean, I know I did want to wrap this up a little bit, and this is a heavy question, but could we see this? Like, could you see the Nuggets, you know, kind of just walking through the West every year, being the top seed and, you know, getting to two, three, four finals in the next five years, maybe getting a couple rings to go with it? I can't answer that definitively, but mm-hmm. can I see it happening? It's most definitely a possibility. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Um, if anything, I think there's a greater chance that we see that than not. Because unless one of these players hits an insane regression this offseason, I, I still don't see how they don't make it back at least to the Western Conference Final. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like a lot of these players, too, like, you know, minus their two, Jamal Murray, Jokic, and then probably MPJ. But a lot of the other guys, you know, that are serviceable, kind of just doing their job, they are kind of replaceable. I mean, if if KCP, you know, you can replace him with another shooter. I mean, it really, it seems like they got their system. You know, you run the pick and roll, you let Jokic do his thing. Uh, MPJ's there to shoot. But it seems like he is a player. This is a system where you could just plug a lot of certain guys in that want to play defense and want to hit open shots. And it just seems like they got a very good formula set up for the next few years. It's something that's been on my mind. Might this team be the next kind of, you know, team that runs the West for the next four years, you know, because, you know, people are saying the Warriors are done. So, you know, somebody's got to pick up the lamp, the torch, excuse me. But, uh... As long as Steph Curry is on the Warriors, I will never say they're done. Steph Curry is... Steph Curry. Like, I, I will never count any team with him on it out. Um, but you're right about Denver. Like, having a couple of guys that are replaceable can – you can kind of just plug and play with other people, right? Like, Bruce Brown's a free agent at the end of the year. I'll be honest. I wanted him in Boston so bad. He's from here. He grew up in the city. Um, but, man, oh, man, if I said that his fit in Denver wasn't perfect, I'd be lying. Mm. He fit in perfect in that team. But oh, you're he not picked wrong. it up right where he left if it he off was, in And that's why he was even better in Denver than he was in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I think even if he does leave, there are plenty of people that Denver could go after and still see the same success. Like, I'm not even saying this because it's Miami or whatever, but the first player that comes to mind right now is Gabe Vincent, right? He's a free agent after this year. He's going to go for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Miami doesn't, I don't think they have the cap space to re-sign everybody. So one of these guys, Kayla Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, they're going to go somewhere. I don't think it's all of them, but I think one of them is going somewhere different. So you can take a guy like Gabe Vincent, plug him into Bruce Brown's spot in Denver, and get the same yeah. result. But that also goes both ways, because I think Bruce Brown could go down to Miami and take Gabe Vincent's Like, you know. I'm not saying one is better than the other or vice versa or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, with the talent these guys 
have and what we've seen from these playoffs is these are the types of guys you can plug and play onto almost any team. And I say almost because I'm sure there's a few teams where they wouldn't I'd have to but I think those are the type of guys where they'll they impact winning without people ever really noticing. And people are noticing now because it's on the biggest Mm-hmm. Yeah, quietly behind the behind the scenes for the past couple of years, building something special. Yeah, it's like you really can't hate on the Nuggets ring. And um, I mean, we both got it. I don't know. I think I'm going to fall back as well. I, I I like being a man of my word and saying on what I standing on what I say. I said Nuggets in five, but I think I'm going to fall back one and join you at Nuggets in six. So, um, this, I mean, this was good. We covered a lot. You know, we got to talk about the first two games of the finals. Certainly we'll be back for another one, but um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we jump out of here? Uh, no, I think I've kind of covered everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've covered everything. Sounds good, sounds good. Yeah, well, these have been two great games. You know, we're tied at a game apiece, NBA Finals, and we got our next matchup. Looks like eight o'clock on Wednesday night, Eastern time. So we'll be back sometime soon, but uh, Jared, I appreciate you coming on again. And, um, should have plugged this earlier man but if you haven't already make sure to follow us on twitter at beerly hoops and uh we'll see you next time